God. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. You're looking good. You're a good-looking crowd in here today. Looking forward to uh, the things that the Lord's given me to share with you. Um, if you are a, a person that is new to Lighthouse, every year uh, we do a, a longer fast. We do one in January. Sometimes we're doing one in September. We, we try not to be religious about it or legalistic about it from the standpoint of we don't do it necessarily the same way every time. Um, and, and if you've not been a person that has had fasting in your life, we actually have uh, written a manual called Stumbling Through the Fast. We didn't want anybody to think we had it all figured out because we ain't got it all figured out. But we stumble through it, and, uh, but we, we picked up a few things when we were down. And uh, so the Stumbling Through the Fast PDF is available in the back. We also emailed it out. If you're on our mailing list, you probably got that already. Uh, but that begins today, and I'm, I'm excited because from this congregation, I mean, we have had so many testimonies of breakthroughs during the times of fasting. You know, I, I don't want you to talk, uh, I would rather not talk about what you're giving up, I would rather talk about what you're moving into, right? Because that's the most significant thing. Jesus wants to, he wants to bring you into some things that only a fast will, will uh, prepare you for. We've had uh, family members born again, the kids that were away from God that came back to the Lord during the fast. We've had uh, new jobs. We've had uh, people get uh, uh, promotions in their job. One, one brother uh, had $21,000 worth of interest forgiven at the end of a 21-day fast. Come on, if that's not a good reason to pray and fast, that's a good way. Uh, you know, we don't know what the Lord wants to do, but we know he wants to do something good. And, and so if, you're, if there's something that you're looking for in your life and you need a breakthrough, I, would, I, I want you to consider moving into this time of fasting with us. Uh, if you're a newbie and you've never fasted longer uh, before, then, you know, I used to fast between Snickers bars, true story. <laughs> you know, two hours or whatever, and that was about all I needed to do. Um, but I would encourage you, and this is our 26th year of doing this, um, that, uh, that you can, if you'll get yourself beyond the three days, and that's the, the, the stumbling through the fast book will help you to do that. If you get yourself beyond 72 hours, what you will find is that your body adjusts to it. It'll scream at you at first, uh, but it'll adjust to it. And then you can really just set your calendar and say, this is how long I want to fast. Um, and we encourage juice fasting. I'm spending a little more time on this because it, I, I really don't want you to miss out. Um, it's, it's profound, the, the effect and the changes. We've had people get their blood pressure medicine, uh, get rid of their blood pressure medicine. I'm not saying go get rid of it. I'm saying you don't need it anymore. Um, I've seen people get their diabetes under control. I've seen so many different things that happen. And this is, this is uh, Isaiah 58. It's Bible, but it's also science, isn't it? There's a lot of uh, interesting information these days about fasting that wasn't known when we started this 26 years ago, but it was not unknown to God. Um, who said fasting and prayer ought to be part of every believer's life. So I wanted to share that with you. We start today, we'll finish up that Sunday that uh, Danita had uh, talked about, or that Saturday Danita had talked about. Um, before I get into my message, uh, we had a, a really cool testimony that uh, came to me uh, after the men's retreat, about 30 days after the men's retreat. And God is at work here at Lighthouse. He's working in the bridge that was just here last night, the bridge service that was here. Fantastic time. He's working in the verge. God is using uh, Pastor Alex, Pastor Preston. Uh, you know, he, he's at work here. And, uh, and it, a lot of times you don't hear the testimonies, but I, wanna, I, I want you to hear testimonies today. So Billy, why don't you come up 
Uh, Billy Wayne's going to share with us a little bit about what the Lord's been stirring in his heart. And uh, so go ahead, brother. Hey, Pastor. He told me to keep it under a couple minutes, but I'll keep it under like 15. <laughs> Just joking. All right, so, uh, you know, I grew up in church and all this, uh, raised up in church and, and went through times of my life of uh, pursuing God with, with the, uh, all that was in me and everything and then stumbled and all this stuff, you know. And I know that there's a lot of people in here that, that are living a life that I was like about four or five months ago, just mediocre. You were just like, you showed up at church, you, you prayed, you know, your regular prayers every day. You, you did what you thought that was a good life, you know, and, and you were happy with that. I was satisfied with that, you know, but I knew that there was more and, mm-hmm. and Pastor Ken's always up here and everybody that he lets up on the stage that comes up here is, you know, read the word and get in the word. There's truth in the word. Just read it and read it, you know. And I asked Pastor while we were on this men's retreat, I was like, Pastor, man, I just, I hear you say this all the time. Get in the truth, the truth, the truth. How do I do? He said, stop stressing over it and just start with one verse. That just, just that simple, just one yeah. verse a day. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got back from the retreat and that Monday I, I made a commitment to God. I said, Lord, I'm going to do this one verse. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I did it on my phone. I opened my Bible up on my phone. I read one verse and I walked away. That was not enough. God said, you, that one verse isn't anything. It took five seconds. So the next thing I know, I'm reading chapter after chapter after wow. book after book after book. And, you know, I've read the Bible before. Not the whole Bible or anything like that. But, I mean, I've read the Bible. But now that, that I made this commitment to God and I've stuck to it, mm-hmm. there's little things in the Word that God, the, tr- the truth that you read every day, that I read every day, it's like I text Daniel McKee. I'm like, yo, Peter walked on water. Yeah. You know, just yeah, the little right. things. And yeah. I've heard these stories my whole yeah, life. That's right. But it's like it's the first time that I've ever read this. Wow. And, you know, just just doing that over these last couple months, there is pornography has fell out of my life. Praise God. Um, lust has fell out of my Praise life. Yeah. Wrong thinking yeah. it is falling off Amen. to kingdom thinking. Amen. And I just challenge you, man, yeah. do what pastor says and what they preach, man. Get in the Word. Make that commitment and dare yourself to do it. It's just like this fast. I've never committed to a fast, like 100% or anything like that. But I told God, I said, I, I'm here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, I don't know exactly 100% when I'm fasting That's every right. single day, That's right. That's but right. I am going to take part in this 21 days fast every single day. Amen. So I just encourage you. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, buddy. That was awesome. That was awesome. You know, uh, it's, it's so... You know, we're human beings and we just overcomplicate things. You know, if the word of the Lord on the inside of us changes us, you know, it's, it, it, the word is, it, it has power all by itself, right? But it's not powerful as long as it's sitting in that Bible and, the, and there's a layer of dust on it. Then it's dead, right? The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. That's all the King James I'm going to speak today. But you understand the reality. But the word on the inside of you, man, it, it just, it, it has, it, because it is life, it has a life of its own and it causes uh, the kind of change that God wants to bring. And uh, so I want to talk to you today about the fact that God is all in for rest. Say that out loud with me. God is all in for rest. God wants you to understand that he is not a slave driver. He is, he is about rest. God, God came from rest, 
before he created the, the world, he came from rest and he created and then he rested. So you and I need to follow this practice. Now we're gonna talk today about what it means to enter into rest and I've gotta have one of my tools, you know, that help me to rest. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, <clears throat> one of my, one of my, well, this is one of my implements of Sabbath right here, you know? It's a Sabbath instrument. You don't really understand that. You don't really know that, but we'll talk about it in a second. This is a, you know, uh, those of you, uh, a lot of people fish, but not a lot of people fly fish. Anybody know anything about fly fishing? Anybody, any fly fishermen in here? All right, a little bit, a little, little something. I just found, I'm, I'm geeking out because one of our Little Lights uh, parents this week, I found out is a, a signature fly tire for a company called Umqua, which doesn't, most of y'all don't even know that is a company. But, um, but it's a big fly fishing outfit, and this guy's a signature fly tire. And, and uh, so I was like, I talked to him for 10 minutes, and I've been buzzing about it for a week. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a, you've seen the meme, right? You've seen the meme that says, uh, religion is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing, but relationship is a man fishing thinking about God. I would really call that ADHD. That's really what I would call that. Can I just tell you, don't get your theology from Facebook and don't get your theology from country music and don't get your theology from whatever else, right? <clears throat> but, um, but the reality is that, you know, we kind of mix up religion and we kind of mix up this whole idea of Sabbath. We get it wrong, you know? Um, and so uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this whole issue of Sabbath because if you can get the principle you can get the principle, you can separate it out from this whole idea of religion or, or requirement from the Lord and actually learn to feel your soul again because that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to get ourselves to the place that we can, we, we're aware of our soul. But the problem is uh, that, that between work and worry and wanting and all the other things that happen in our life, we no longer feel our soul and life becomes kind of an extension of the fact that our soul isn't the, exactly where it needs to be at rest in God. If your soul's at rest in God, then you're Sabbathing. That's a word, right? A Sabbathing, you know. Um, and so you, you've got you've to discern how to do that. And so there's some principles that I want to share with you today. And uh, <clears throat> so let's get into the word real quick. Um, this is in your notes. And uh, it's, you've got it right there in front of you. It's also in the YouVersion app. That's, that's what I'm using here. So go to YouVersion. Click on the little three little dots down on the bottom where it says more. And uh, you can pull up events. And you'll, pull up, you'll see Lighthouse right there on the map. So in Mark chapter two, <clears throat> the scripture says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of uh, Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread. He, in other words, he was saying, if anybody was a lawbreaker, it was David because he didn't eat just the grain. He ate the whole consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of, on the Sabbath. Now, uh, I'm gonna jam this together with the next chapter because in the Greek, the, the chapter verses, uh, you know, the, the numbers 
uh, and verses were not even part of that. This was just a continuation of the thought. Another time, he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Instead of a celebration, the religious crowd said, oh, Jesus just healed on the Sabbath, let's kill him. You see how backwards that is? Now, notice the sarcasm in Jesus's voice when he says to them, have you never read? He's talking to the Pharisees who, uh, you know, the Jews would have memorized all of the Torah probably by the time they were very young. Maybe by the time they were seven years old, they would have committed to memory the entire first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch, they would have had it memorized. This was, this was just average. And then the Pharisees were over and above. They were like Jews on steroids as it, as it related to the, the study of Scripture. And, and so they were very, very devout. And yet Jesus questions them in that moment and says, have you never read? When they brought this before Jesus and they said, you violated the law by doing this, he, uh, really what, the, what they're talking about is two different things. So the Torah is God-given, but the Mishnah was the commentary on the Torah. It was what man said about what God said. And so the Pharisees were elevating what man said about what God said to a degree that God never wanted to have done. And so what they were discussing was uh, this idea of working on the Sabbath. What's, where, so where do you stop? If we're, not supposed to, if we're supposed to stop working, and by the way, that's point number one, stop working. If we're supposed to stop working, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line on stop work? If you're, if you're saying, okay, I'm Sabbathing, so I'm not going to do what? Does that mean don't clean the house? For some of you, that's therapy. True story, right? Some people feel at rest when they clean. For some people, uh, they, you know, so, so how do you draw the line? And so the Mishnah is, is how that the Jews had drawn all those lines. There, were, uh, there was a Sabbath day's walk that was limited to a quarter mile. Anything you could walk for a quarter mile that was leisure past a quarter mile, that was work. So there were all kinds of legalistic rules that went along that were added, 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 added. And that's called, uh, that's, there's a theological term for that called fencing. You know, fencing the truth. Anybody ever been to like uh, Yellowstone or uh, Yosemite or, you know, any places, even you can find them down at, at, at uh, Yorktown. Any of the national monuments, they'll put a fence around it if it's got, if it's got a cliff or it's got some kind of short kind of thing. And, and you know, that's, that's, uh, they put a fence around where all the best Instagram action is, right? So you let your kids climb over there and they stand, dangle them off the cliff and take a picture. Only in America. And uh, so, so the fence was the, the, the Pharisees, it started out good. They said, well, if God says that work is uh, a half mile uh, walk and anything over a half mile, we don't, want the, we don't want to incur the judgment of God, so we've got to put a fence around it. And so if God says a half mile, we're going to make it, one generation says three-eighths of a mile. 
The next generation says, no, we don't know, three-eighths, no, it's a quarter mile. And so they put a fence around what God said was good and, and to, because they wanted to restrict people from violating the law of God. People aren't going to know any better. They're just sheeple. And so what do we have to do? We have to put a fence around the law. And eventually it got so legalistic that, that the, the, the minuscule stipulation, the Pharisees are watching Jesus and, and they just, they're picking up some, some kernels of, of wheat while they're going and they're popping them in their mouth. That's work. You're violating the law, right? And so the law becomes a, a, a clubbing device rather than something that leads us to God, right? So when Jesus says in this, this, uh, in this statement, he said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, you know, they were, Jesus was dealing with a legalistic crowd where everybody was judging everybody and what they were doing right as it related to the Sabbath. And yet in America, we are so far from understanding a legalist lifestyle when it comes to the things of God. We're way at the other end of the spectrum. We're at the end of the spectrum where nobody understands at all the law of God, and we don't understand that Sabbath ought to be part of us, and so we have this thing called workaholism in our world, right? We're, we, 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 we live beyond the limits of timelines. We live beyond the limits of, of this is when you should be working, this is when you should stop. Uh, we don't understand margin in our lives. We don't understand it in our time. We don't understand it in our money. We don't understand it in our relationships. You know, more is always better. More is always better. If you can work, then work more. There's virtue in that to a point. But what happens when you haven't figured out how to rest anymore? What happens when you don't know how to push pause? What do you do then? Well, you have a heart attack. Or you have all kinds of, you know, diseases that are stress-driven. They can take you and they can, uh, they can check you out and they can say, we can't find anything physically wrong with you. What are they saying? It's self-induced. How do, you, how do you power down? How do you shut down? What do you do in order to cause yourself just to, ah, I'm at rest. I'm at peace. I can feel my soul. I can feel that part of me that uh, knows God. See, the problem with work, the problem with work, and, and so, you know, we, we love that phrase, right? If you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. The problem with work is that even though it is, it is God's provision for us to provide for our means, what we can make it into is we can make it into our whole identity. We can, make, we can extend our soul through our work and make it something that God never intended for it to be. Americans are, you know, famous for this, right? We, we you know, we, we, love to, we love to say if it is to be, it's up to me. We, we, you know, we celebrate the individual. We celebrate the icon. We make an idol out of an individual. And, and we lessen the reality of, you know, God says it, it's really about the person of Jesus and the body of Christ. It's more about the team and the community rather than about the individual, right? So we gotta, if we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk Bible here right? It's not about the one, it's about the many being one, That's right. moving in unity together, 
right? And, and so yet, um, how many times in your life have you found it difficult to shut off work? How many times in your life have you gone away on vacation and all you thought about while you were on vacation was work? You know, I, I grew up, you know, under, under a workaholic kind of a syndrome kind of a thing. And uh, I remember I didn't know, because I didn't grow up taking vacations, I told Holly, I said, I'm going to have to submit to you when it comes to this idea of vacation because I don't even know how to do it. Like, my family didn't do that. We didn't take time away. And, uh, and so the first several years of our marriage, you know, it was really hard. We'd go on vacation, and, and I was still caught up in my, uh, in my routine. And it took me three or four days to just, get, to just to get out of the routine, just to relax, just to get my mind to, to, to be in the moment where I was. You know, I was always thinking about what I wasn't doing, what I should have been doing. And it was, and I was just a bear to be around, just to be honest, you know? I mean, you know, it just wasn't good. And then after, after about a week, I started feeling good, and then it was time to come home. <laughs> right? And uh, so I, I just want to challenge you. You've got to learn to stop working. You've got to learn to shut it down. Why? Because your life is more than your job. Your life is more than your work. Your life is more than the money that's coming in the door. Your, your life is more than that. God has more than that. In fact, he wants to show himself as your provider. If you're doing all of it, where is God's part? Right? So you and I have to be people that, that understand that there's got to be a time when we power down. There's, there's got to be a moment in time. You've got to be diligent in seeking rest. When, when the, the, virtue of, of, uh, the virtue of work becomes a vice. And you elevate the virtue of rest. Right? So you and I have to be there. Here's, a, here's an urgency from Hebrews chapter 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of dis disobedience. So over the next, uh, the course of this month, we're gonna talk about Sabbath. Uh, today I'm, I'm gonna be talking about, Sabbath can be, really defined by four different words, stop, rest, delight, and worship. Today, I'm going to be talking about stop. We'll introduce the preaching team uh, later on in the service, and you'll, you'll uh, know what they're going to be talking about. So today, we're just taking up this idea of what it means to stop. So stop working, number one. Number two, to enter into Sabbath, you have to stop thinking about work. You know, you and I have to uh, you, you need to understand that if your mind is going on, that scientists will tell you, that, that you're, you're rehearsing in your mind the work. If there's conflict at work and, and it's going on in your mind, you, it's like the conflict is right there. You haven't shut down. You haven't turned it off. You haven't, so you've got to stop working. You, and, and that includes stop thinking about it. I'm going to give you a, a, a little bit of an analogy right here, or maybe, maybe a couple of words that will help you. Uh, write this in your notes. Distract daily. You know, this fly rod in Rio, they live in my office. True story, right above my bookshelf. Sits there. And some days, I just need a distraction. And when the kids are not running around in here from little lights, lest I snag one of them, there's no hook on it, it's just a line. 
But uh, I come in here and I just practice my loops. When you're, when you're fly fishing, you don't actually throw the lure. You're, you have to keep the, the line going. The line is what is the deal in fly fishing. And so you, you, you try to get those loops kind of uh, equidistant, right? And if, if my timing's off, then it becomes like I, I start, it, it ends up being like a whip and it's not really a whip. You gotta, you gotta kind of get it in the air and then you gotta practice where you're gonna land it. And so I'll find myself a target and I'll just come in here and distract myself. Just distract myself. You know what I'm doing? I'm Sabbathing. I've got to distract daily. Then I've got to withdraw weekly. That's the second part. This isn't in your notes, but you've got to write it down. Withdraw weekly. I've got to have a time when I'm just getting away from it. Sometimes that's, you know, on my motorcycle and I'm not thinking about just turn on the tunes and go up the road. You've got to withdraw weekly. Your soul needs you to withdraw. Your soul is not made to go 24-7. You will burn out. I've burned out numerous times. Some people, you know, and, and can I tell you, you always walk with a limp when you come back. You say, oh, you can recover from that to a point. But eventually, you're, you, it's law of diminishing returns. The work doesn't get done just because you keep giving more attention to it. God wants to refresh your soul. And so you, you've got to stop you know, you know, you've got to stop work and you've got to stop thinking about work. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to stop worrying. Worry is an expression of the soul that says, if I think about it enough and I get my emotions involved in it enough, I can actually control it. Mamas worry about their kids because they think that by worrying, they can control their behavior. Doesn't work. Doesn't work, right? Worrying is an expression of your soul. Your soul is crying out. And instead of crying out to God, you just fret over it and you worry over it. And, and you, you try to control things that are beyond you. This world is a big place. And your life has a lot of uh, uh, things attached to it. But we have our limits. And God wants to be in charge. And so when, if I'm worrying constantly, then I'm not Sabbathing. If I'm fretting over things, I'm not Sabbathing. I'm not in connection with what's going on in my soul. I'm, I'm not paying attention to what God designed for me to pay attention to. So I have to, uh, I have to distract daily. I have to withdraw weekly. I have to abandon annually. We're at the beginning of the year. I want you to, I want you to chart out 2023 and I want you to plot in all of your vacations and your rest days. Show me in your calendar. I'm gonna, this is, I'm gonna check you. <laughs> Show me in your calendar where your vacation is, where you're abandoning. Show me in your calendar where you're withdrawing weekly. Talk to me about what you're doing daily to distract yourself so that you're not just sucked in to this thing called life, this whirlwind that you and I have. Can I tell you, and it, you know, and this hits us at every stage. 
all of us are undisciplined in this area, you know, but I, I know retirement's not any better. I talk to people that get retired are busier now than they were before they retired. Right? This is, comes down to a discipline in your life to where you create margin for things. And so plot out those vacations. Plot out those trips. Plot out what you're going to do. I, I found coming back from burnout that I had to, every six weeks, I needed to be away for about three days. I don't know why that pattern just emerged, but, uh, in, and it was through one of my courses that I was writing, uh, uh, writing a paper, and I realized, you know, uh, had to do with... Uh, had to do with spiritual life and, and just kind of the patterns that happen. And about every six weeks, I need three days. I just need to unplug. I just need to go to the mountains. I, go, I need to go camping. I need to go do whatever. Um, I've, I've found that uh, a four-hour drive up to the Shenandoah um, in my Land Cruiser, I can sleep in the cruiser or, uh, or I can take the motorcycle with the, you know, uh, with, the, uh, you know, with the tent on the back. And I can just go and it's just for a couple of days. And, and uh, I just, I have to have that. I have to have that. If I have that, then I, then I get revived. If I don't have that, um, I'm irritable. Um, Holly and I have more spats than usual. I mean, there's the usual one. Because I'm always right. And then, and then there's the unusual ones where I'm not even agreeing with myself. And she just stands there and watches me churn, you know. Right? And, uh, and, and so, you know, so it, there, the tension builds, right? And I'm not worth much, and I'm not the creativity. You know, the, the work that we do is very, it, it, you know, creativity is, is hard work. You know, coming up with something fresh, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, uh, punch the same hole in the same place every week. You know, it's, it's not that. There's a, there's a lot that goes in it. And, and so, um, so the reality of that requires that, that I've got to have those times charted out so that I stop working and I stop worrying. This last one used to be helped by, anybody live long enough to know what a blue law is? Right? Yeah, uh, blue laws used, used to be restaurants weren't open on Sundays. Grocery stores weren't open on Sundays, Right? Um, there were, you know, there were, there was a shutdown. There was a shutdown. The people, you know, it wasn't just Chick-fil-A. What Chick-fil-A is doing is novel today, but back in the day, that's the way everybody was, right? And, and you had to plan for that, right? If you go to, if you go to Israel, uh, you, they're going to shut down on the Sabbath and everything. No, no questions asked. Just shut down. You know, it's all, it's all shut down on, you know, during the Sabbath. Same principle. That's, that's where we get the principle from. But the reality is that what has to happen and, and that we found ways around because the internet is on all the time is you can still express your wants. And Sabbath means I'm going to stop working, I'm going to stop worrying, and I'm going to stop wanting. Because when I'm in want, that's my soul's expression to go out and expand itself and get more. That's my soul saying... I know what I need, I know what I want, I'm gonna, and I'm going to get more. And, and it can be lust, and it can be greed, and it can be a, a, a shopping addiction. Oh, if I just had that one more thing, my life will be complete. Oh, Holly could tell you stories about me. <laughs> Honey, I'm sure that when I get that fly rod, I will not need another. I, uh, 
I was talking to Mark Geppert a, a while back, and I said, Mark, I, I really feel like the Lord's saying that we're supposed to downsize in this next season of our life is, you know, maximum uh, discretionary time and maximum cash flow. God's doing something. He says, yeah, I, I affirm that. And, uh, and I said, yeah, man. I said, downsize. I said, you know, I didn't realize it, but I got a lot of stuff. He said, tell me how many fly rods you got. I said, uh, I think I have, I think I have six. And he said, really? He said, my, my son's a professional fly guide and he's only got three. <laughs> okay, touche. I got my reasons. And none of them sound good right now. Stop wanting. Have you, have you ever found yourself, there's just a churn on the inside of you for more? You need to have something. You just need to have it. David said a, an interesting line in the Psalms. He said, I have stilled my soul like a weaned child. My soul is stilled before God. Right? That, that satisfaction that only comes because the peace of God is, you, you're, you have nothing missing and nothing is broken and you're right where you need to be because God has satisfied you. You're not satisfying yourself with more stuff. You're not satisfying yourself with more food. You're not satisfying yourself by controlling your circumstances. You've let God be who he is and you're satisfied with who you are. Because your identity is really found in him and not your work. Your, your identity is really found in him and not in how much stuff you have or don't have. He is all you need. That is the first part of the definition of Sabbath. So, how well are you Sabbathing? You know? When was the last time you felt your soul? There's a, there's a place I like to go in the Shenandoah and I'll get out there and uh, get your waders on. And I don't know, something about this, this is, these are, um, these are personal for me, um, but I'm hoping that you can gather a principle off of it. Um, we, I think in our world today, we, we call it at some level, um, you know, when you get into an activity and you lose track of time, you get into a place where there's kind of a, we call it a flow state or something, and, and you just, you lose track of time. So I can, I can be out there, um, and uh, I can be out there standing in the North Fork of the Shenandoah, and the water, the water would be up to about here, not, not so much that it makes me nervous, you know, that it's up here and I might get swept away with it, but just enough current uh, around my legs to make me feel the water. And, it, and if it gets too cold and I'm, I'm aware of it, then it's not really all that good, but, uh, but I'll dress for it. And I'll be standing out there in the river. And it just seems like that after a few casts, and I, let me tell you, I don't even, you know, this, this is a fun uh, Thomas Edison fishing story. He would, go, he would go fishing every day just outside of town uh, for about an hour. And uh, he'd take his, his rod and he would go out there and he'd fish. And, 
And uh, one guy noticed him, and he, and he said, why is it that you fish every day for an hour? He said, well, I found out. He said that if you fish, and, and the people in the, the workplace, they won't bother you. He said, really? He said, do you ever catch anything? No. He said, because I realize that if I don't put a hook on, the fish don't bother me either. <laughs> he knew something about distraction. And so I can go stand in the middle of that North Fork and I can just watch the, uh, watch the scenery. Maybe there's some eagles. Maybe there's, you know, uh, landing in the trees. And I can, I can cast at a couple of riffles. Maybe I'm doing okay that day and catching some smallmouth or maybe there's some trout in there. Um, but, but, at the, but at the end of the day, I'm not really driven to catch any fish. I'm just out there and it seems like that water is just washing the stress right out of my soul. It just flows around and does its thing, and I, and I just get out there, and I get to enjoy it, right? Because God gives us all things richly to enjoy. And so I'm just out there enjoying what God made. I'm enjoying his creation, and, and, and my soul is getting refreshed, right? And, and I hope that, that you have those moments. I hope that you have those places. I hope that they, they're connected, right? You've got to be in that that place of Sabbath. You've got to find your space. You've got to find that place because that's when your soul will get restored. And you know what? Don't let anybody look down on how you do what you do. Right? This is my thing. It's my thing. I, I can get into meditation and the place that I go in meditation to meet with Jesus is on the side of a river. And it never gets old. I could meditate two or three times in a day and every time I would go back to that same place right next to a river. That's just, that's just Pastor Ken's holy place. Yours might be the mall, I don't know. But I doubt it. Stop working. Stop worrying. Stop wanting. And let God refresh your soul. Let him refresh your soul. It's not about religion. It's about how God made you and how he wants to pour his life back into you. Could we stand this morning? I just want to pray for you. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Notice that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. That he restores what's broken on the Sabbath. This man with a withered hand, he he had lost mobility. He could not work. His function was impaired. And what does the Lord of the Sabbath do? He walks up and says, by my word, stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. What do you need Jesus to command you to stretch out today so that he can restore you, so that he can renew you, so that he can refresh you? See, he's here to do that because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Don't let rules get in the way. Jesus wants to restore you today. You've reached the place where that law of diminishing returns is happening. Let him restore you. You've reached the place where you feel hemmed in, you feel imprisoned, and, and you just need that restoration. Can we just come before him today? And collectively, can we call on his name and let refreshing begin to flow?
See, we start at this, this fast, we begin with this principle of Sabbath because your body needs to rest from food because your life is more than food. And so we need to move into the discipline of the understanding that my life comes from more things than just the nutrients that are in the food. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you today. Say this out loud. Jesus, you are my rest. Lord, I pray for renewal in every person's heart and life today. Lord, we we know you, but oftentimes we don't practice this principle of Sabbath. And Lord, I don't even know that it's a matter of having an altar of repentance today so much as it is grabbing on to one of those small but powerful habits just like Billy Wayne shared with us earlier. Just one verse, five seconds. And yet, the profound difference that you can make when we let you in. Father, I pray over every home that there would be restoration and refreshing because the Lord of the Sabbath has taken up residence in our homes. And that Lord, as as husbands and wives, we would encourage one another in this principle of Sabbath. Lord, I know people have different work schedules and different things that, tasks that need to be done and Lord, one is task-oriented and one is relationship-oriented. One's time-oriented. The other one's not so much. God, I pray that together we would establish Sabbath routines in our lives, that we would distract daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually, and allow you to bring the refreshing that you want to bring. God, this world does not rest on our shoulders. We can't, by worrying, change one hair of one, uh, uh, one color to another on our heads. God, we can't do it by worrying. If we can't do that with a human hair, we're not going to change this world by worrying. God, I just pray today for rest for each and every person. They'd stop worrying. They'd stop working. They'd stop wanting. They'd stop being driven by what this world says is important. And they would allow you to bring the refreshing that you want to bring. In the name of Jesus, we pray.